Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, remote work has upended the traditional office and has come with both rewards and challenges. But what's it been like to make a major career change remotely or even start your first real job that way? For the last couple of years, that's how Gen Z has been doing it, entering the workforce, barely meeting any colleagues in person, much less getting in-person trainings or mentorship. This hour, we want to hear what it's been like onboarding at a first big job or internship on Zoom and learn what colleagues and employers can do to make that transition easier. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The first few years in the workforce tend to be formative, making connections, learning the ropes, and setting up young workers for career achievements down the line. So what's that meant for Gen Zers, who've largely taken their first real jobs, quote-unquote, or internships in a remote world gripped by a pandemic? That's our focus this hour. And joining me first is Chelsea Louie, a research analyst who graduated from college during the pandemic. Chelsea Louie, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, I'm very happy to be here. And as you mentioned, yeah, I've been working remotely um, for the last two years or so while I was still in college and now post-college, I'm still working remotely. (laughs) With a company on the East Coast, so definitely quite remote. Can you describe what your first few days on the job was like? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, So I actually started um, my position while I was finishing the last month or so of college. Um, So it was a very interesting time. I think I was trying to uh, get through graduation safely um, in sort of a COVID environment uh, while working remotely. Um, So it was sort of like online classes, um, online trainings, um, meeting people online, um, doing sort of like coffee chats. Uh, virtually while still um, thinking about school. So it was a bit of a hectic time, I'd have to say. Mm. Um, But I I appreciated that there was some flexibility to it, that I could be remote um, and be starting work while still um, completing school. Yeah. You've said that sometimes it even felt like, though, while it was hectic, that nothing really big had changed. And I'm curious what you mean, what you meant by that and what you mean by that. Absolutely. I think time has passed in a very strange way in the last few years during the pandemic. And I think 
a lot of us, I think especially students, had to very quickly sort of shift and adapt um, to virtual learning, being at school virtually. Um, so I think I learned a lot of those sort of like virtual remote working habits while working for school. So doing school work, whether it's attending lectures and classes, um, working with other students on projects, doing club work. Um, so when I actually started work and had to do those coffee chats and trainings, it really felt like an extension um, of a lot of the college work that I had to quickly learn how to do remotely. Can I ask you what you imagined pre-pandemic, what your work life post-college would be like? Yeah, um, definitely not like right now. Um, I think I had a number of in-person jobs and sort of hybrid type remote jobs. So there would be an office where I'd walk into, um, but there might be an option to like bring a laptop home. Um, and I think probably growing up and for a lot of college, that's what I imagined the workplace would be like. Like there would be an actual office I could go to and maybe there'd be an option to work from home once a week um, in, in a best case scenario to have that flexibility. So being completely remote, um, that was not something I imagined. Um, but yeah, that's where I am now. <laughs> so what have been the biggest challenges of remote work for you? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me is sort of having a physical space um, to sort of shift my sort of like mental space or like, or like my brain space. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for a lot of young people, um, especially during a pandemic um, after college, you go home, you might settle down for a bit. Um, and it's very strange knowing that you've graduated, you have a degree, you're working, but you're also in your childhood bedroom. Um, or you're in your kitchen that you've had breakfast for for many, many years. Um, so I think that sort of physical space difference um, has been probably the most challenging, knowing when work ends and when sort of home starts. Have you felt like you've missed out on things as a result of being remote? Um, I think there probably are things that I've probably missed out on. Um, but as mentioned, I'm someone that sort of started working remotely right out of college. Um, so I'm honestly not sure what to compare it to right. um, or what my experience would have been. Um, I think I've been very, very blessed that a lot of my coworkers I've had have been just wonderful. I've had friends uh, that I love dearly and that I get to work with virtually um, who may not live in the same city as me or live in the same state um, or in the same country. So I think it's been an interesting experience there as well. We're talking with Chelsea Louie about starting a first job remotely, and that's the topic of today's conversation. And your listeners are invited to share your experiences as well, especially if what Chelsea is saying resonates with you. 866-733-6786 is the number. 866-733-6786. You can share them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us, forum at kqed.org. Chelsea Louie, what did you find most helpful in making the transition to this first job, uh, this first major job, a little bit while in college, but of course, one that's continued after school? Yeah, I think for me, the people definitely made it. Um, I think having really, really supportive managers, mentors, and peers really made the experience much 
better for me. Um, I think for anyone kind of going through sort of like pandemic anxiety um, or like worrying about sort of like what's there to come next, um, having sort of a core group of people that can help guide you through your work, um, especially as someone who's new on the team, who may be learning a lot of things, having lots of trainings is incredibly helpful. Um, I think, yeah, the people really definitely made it for me. Um, being able to talk to cool people, being able to talk to very supportive um, colleagues has been wonderful for grounding me, I think, through remote work. What would you say to people who are entering the workforce at this time? What advice would you give based on your own experience of the last couple of years? Yeah, I think, I think the advice I would give is to not be afraid to ask a lot of questions um, to employers, to interviewers, um, to your friends about their experiences, um, and to be as critical about what a remote workplace looks like um, for whatever company or organization you want to be going into um, as you would if it was a in-person office. So like, what's the work culture? What are What does the workflow look like? Um, how do people socialize and communicate? Uh, if that's something that's really important for you in the workforce. Um, and yeah, to be able to ask those questions and, and to be curious about what it looks like, because I think for a lot of companies as well, they also don't really know what it looks like because many people have shifted so suddenly. Um, so being able to see where everyone's at, um, it it can make, make it a bit, um, how to say it, a bit more comfortable, I think. Um, instead of going in not knowing what to expect. Yeah, a lot of the emphasis has been on just making the shift for all employees to remote work if if that's what the company decided was best to do without necessarily so much of a focus on onboarding all the new people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think some people like definitely work way better remotely. And perhaps this was a silver lining to the pandemic. I've talked to like, professors and friends and people who have loved this sudden shift. And I've also met people who have absolutely hated it. Um, so there's definitely a lot of changes happening, um, to put it lightly. Yeah, this listener writes on Instagram, I became a high school teacher the week the pandemic hit. Toughest job under the circumstances I've ever had. So Chelsea, I understand that you've given some thought to how Gen Zers like you who are entering the workforce now could change how we think about work. Can you share some of your thinking on that? Yeah, I've definitely thought about this mainly because I'm kind of in the situation as a young person um, coming into this very uh, sort of unstable workplace, I'd say. Um, it's really changing how everyone, like young people, <clears throat> people who are more senior, kind of like view the workplace and work in general. So how they view their labor, how they view um, their relationships with like their colleagues, um, with their managers. And I've heard lots of conversations from people who are definitely older than me. And I've heard conversations from people who are also going in at the same time. And I think a good way to put it is that it's just so volatile. Um, 
And I think if we think on a more negative end, it's, it's very scary. I think a lot of people entering the workforce are going in with a sense of uncertainty about what's going to happen. Um, Personally, I'm terribly optimistic at times. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, maybe because it's, it's tinted because I've had good experiences with remote work, but I think it's also like a hotbed for change and, for people to kind of take sort of the fact that resources are shifting and budgets are shifting and people are more open to ideas about what remote work could be or hybrid workplaces could look like, um, that we can make workplaces that can be more accessible, that people who do love remote work or benefit or have a healthier work life with remote work um, could have those changes. So the optimist in me likes to think that this could be a good thing uh, for many people. Before I let you go, Chelsea, you mentioned that uh, it's important to understand your workplace culture. What would you say your workplace culture is and how did you figure that out <laughs> by being remote? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think workplace culture is sort of the the community that gathers around your work. So aside from maybe the projects that you're on or the tasks that you're on, um, what do those sort of like interpersonal Uh, small group conversations look like. Um, And for the workplace that I'm in, it's a very friendly and transparent workplace. And I think that's something that is developed through a culture um, of remote work. Um, I guess for a little context, a bit of context, um, my workplace has been remote for long before the pandemic. So they've had time to develop um, what that culture looks like. And that culture looks like in the morning, people send good morning messages to everyone in the Slack um, and people share um, what's happening with their kids on the weekends. Um, and it's sort of using these tools to not only make the work happen, but to have a community. Well, I'm glad you had such a positive experience and thanks for sharing it, Chelsea Louie. We'll learn more about first-time jobs during the pandemic. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. For some young workers who've entered work life on Zoom, 
It's come with some surprising benefits and also some pretty tough challenges. And that's what we're exploring this hour. And I want to invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Did you start your first job during the pandemic with a remote work experience? What was that like? Or did you make a major career change during the pandemic and start something brand new with which you didn't have a lot of context remotely as well? Share your experiences at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can share them on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. And if you have ideas on how to make that transition easier for people, we welcome that as well. I want to invite into the conversation now, Juliana Kaplan, a labor and inequality reporter for Insider. Juliana, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Also with us is Lori Shreve Blake, a senior director for career engagement at the USC Career Center. Lori Shreve Blake, thanks so much for being with us as well. Thank you, Mina. I look forward to the conversation. Me too. So Juliana, I want to start with you because you've been covering labor and workplace issues throughout the pandemic and the challenges of remote work for people in major first jobs. Just before the break, we met Chelsea Louie. And Chelsea's experiences, did they sound similar to those of other workers that you've spoken to? Or did they even resonate with you personally? Since I know you you are, as you've described yourself, old Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, geriatric Gen Z. I'm, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm 25. So I, I had a weird experience of I graduated from college in 2019 and started at Insider, you know, about a month after. So I had about six months of what I call like real adulthood before, you know, <laughs> everything else happened. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, everybody's experience has been different. And obviously there's a whole plethora of jobs that are still working in person. But from what I've seen throughout my reporting, I think Chelsea's assessment that some people hate remote work, some people love remote work. I'm actually somebody who really hated remote work before the pandemic. And now here I am cozy in my house with my cats. So I've definitely been converted. But I think her point that it's more about what the company is doing to support people. It sounds like they have really good guardrails in there has also helped with the experience mm. and companies understanding that workers expectations, especially people like Chelsea who, you know, graduated on zoom and then graduated out of zoom into a different zoom for work, uh, have a different expectation of flexibility and things that they want out of work. So it's how they come companies sort of rise to meet that. Oh, that's interesting. Lori Shreve Blake, you've been advising college students as they apply for jobs during the pandemic. Curious first, what kinds of expectations you find students have about their first job? Um, thanks, Mina. Well, I think the first job, they obviously have have worked hard in their college years and earned that degree. And so I think the first job, whether it's in person or remote or hybrid, I think they're looking for the that challenging opportunity that sparks their interest, that they can do the work that they're passionate about. So, um, you know, with the pandemic and, and uh, students, you know, kind of transitioning to remote work, uh, I think they, they've, they've done well with it. I, I've talked to students and they said, you know, I've uh, in this remote role, what I did is I reached out to people outside of my department and I got to know the people in my department, but I got to know the people outside and conducting informational interviews and um, communicating with their colleagues and just trying to um, 
innovate and, and, and have that opportunity to do the job that they're passionate about, but also um, connect in socially with, uh, with their um, colleagues and, and supervisor. So it sounds like, um, and, and maybe you've advised them to do this, but people who have had positive experiences have really taken it upon themselves to really reach out and advocate for themselves, to ask questions for their needs and so on? Definitely, definitely. Um, and yes, that's what they've done. And, and they, they really are, um, I mean, that's encouraged because at the end of the day, we're all CEOs of our career. And so, you know, you're, you're starting this new job, you want to be a success. So you want to make sure you're kind of keeping an open line of communication, one with your supervisor, with your team, um, but that, and that you're doing your job and meeting the, the goals and expectations of that role, but also getting to know, as Chelsea mentioned, you know, the, the company culture and how you can understand the co company culture remotely is through talking, you know, to your different colleagues and talking to people within the department, outside of the department, just to understand uh, the, the, you know, what drives the company and, and how people are appreciated. And I think also, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, kind of remote work, these new employees are looking for, you know, what are the, where are the opportunities to connect? There's no, you know, at the virtual water cooler, if you will, because there's no physical water cooler. And um, so are there affinity groups that they can join? Are there volunteer opportunities kind of outside of work that they can, that they can engage in? Um, lunches with the team. How are they? How are they staying connected and feeling part of the team and feeling valued? And also, these employees need to make sure they have all the tools at home that they need, as well as you know any other softwares and things like that, so that they're a success and really communicate that to their supervisor as well. Juliana, curious what you hear people that you have interviewed say in terms of their biggest concerns about being part of a remote workplace and starting out in a remote workplace? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I haven't talked quite honestly to too many Gen Zers about this, but I do know I, I covered sort of the flexibility revolution and have talked to at least one or two workers who, when they found out a job required a commute, that job is off the table. They said, no, thank you. Um, but I think, you know, also when it comes to starting your first job remotely, if you look at the numbers, I believe data from LinkedIn and from CareerBuilder has shown that Gen Z already has one of the like, is leading the way in job switching, which I'm sure we've all heard about the great resignation mm -hmm. is such a huge trend right now. And, you know, I don't want to say like correlation causation, but I, I do think it's interesting that when you're no longer going into the office, and I think that there's also this sense of, I've been covering this a lot, workers feeling a little bit more empowered and a little bit more like the balance of power has shifted into their hands, just being very proactive about the situation, which can just be leaving a job sometimes. I, I remember reading the results of, of a survey that said that um, Gen Zers indicated that one of the big reasons they would leave a job is because they didn't feel a sense of purpose. How do you think that relates to the remote work experience, Juliana? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that the way that I think about remote work and many other experts who I'm sure are more eloquent than me, I think have said similarly, is that it sort of showed 
the bones of companies, right? Like all of a sudden you're yanked out of the workplace. Maybe you're no longer getting your fun work snacks or your lunches or your ping pong table or your nap pods, <laughs> whatever. Um, all of those things that like millennial offices do have. And I do miss the office snacks to be clear. Um, but when you sort of have all those trappings taken away, what like what is left and what, what is there and I think that you know it people are sort of decoupling that from what it is that they're actually doing and from the way that they find meaning from it and I think that remote work has certainly like shown a light on oh there was like a communication system that already wasn't great and now we're all trying to do this virtually and it's working even worse like that's revealed right or like the way that like oh, we actually didn't need to be working this many hours or need to be working in person to get this done, like things like that, so to speak. So I think that remote work has kind of like laid bare what a person's job looks like. And I think that's like the remote work aspect of it when it comes to Gen Zers who have been like working remotely the whole time, that's been their only experience of work, right? And a lot of people graduated during the pandemic, saw this really traditional path of life, like flipped over. And so I think that that's top of mind as well. Do you think it also says something about Gen Z itself? We, um, we hear a lot about how a strong sense of values, a strong need for social impact, um, being much more willing to articulate and assert needs, that that also contributes um, to people really needing purpose in the work that they do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I cover labor, so I cover a lot about the labor movement as well. And if you look at who is the most supportive of unions, that would be our youngest workers, you know, when it, you do the breakdown by age. And, you know, I've spoken to the president or, yeah, the president of the AFL-CIO who said that young people are really leading the way here. So it goes beyond social impact. I mean, that's a really tangible way to simply just reshape your workplace as well. Um, and I do think, you know, when the pandemic first happened, we, we did a big feature where we talked to a lot of people from the class of 2020. And when you think about it, it's like when your childhood has been defined by the climate crisis, you know, so many tragedies such as mass shootings, a really turbulent election and very turbulent politics as well. That sort of, you know, I think shapes shapes your values going into the next part of adult life. And now that that generation has hit the workplace, I think that they're doing the same there. Well, we've got some comments coming in and Chris writes, my small company coincidentally expanded at the beginning of the pandemic. I hired a recent grad. To date, we have not met in person. As an employer and parent of 30-somethings, I've seen how challenging these times have been. My direction to my remote employees is do your work at your convenience. I am so fortunate my employees are very conscientious. We meet weekly to ensure that the workload is reasonable. Again, I feel so fortunate to be working with these lovely, resilient people. Laurie Shreve Blake, do you think the rise of remote work has made things more or less equitable for recent graduates of color? Well, um, actually, Bloomberg recently did an article um, about 
the fact that uh, Twitter has been able to recruit more black and brown uh, professionals. And part of it was because they're offering remote work. They tied remote work and actually the recruitment, the recruitment of black and brown professionals. So I don't see this as this remote work and whether somebody's you know, uh, of color or not as being a negative per se. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there are affinity groups. So many organizations have a black employee resource employees uh, group, or they have, you know, uh, a group for veterans or what have you. So I think um, I don't see it as a negative at all. I think that um, that these employees need to do what all other employees are doing and kind of you know, reach out and make, you know, let it be known and, and, and hit those milestones and um, expand their network. You know, we, what gets you the job in life is, um, is 80% whom you know. And so what, what I want every uh, entry level as well as experienced person to do as they manage their career is to continue to expand that network, not just within that company, but if I work for in marketing, I need to also join the American Marketing Association. Or if I'm an MBA, maybe to join the uh, the National Black MBA. So these these new employees need to continue to expand their network because their network is their net worth. And so um, I, I I see I see I don't see any negatives. I just think that they should um, continue to to uh, manage that network and manage whom they know and um, obviously get their job done, number one, but then continue to expand out from there. Yeah. And with regard to affinity groups, you're really pointing at the role that diversity and equity inclusion DEI can play in, in making this a positive onboarding experience for new employees. Well, yeah, joining, I, yeah, go ahead. And, and Mina, I actually know somebody who, um, was an intern and this person happens to be black and is working for like a top pharmaceutical company as an, as an intern and their role, their supervisor was great in onboarding them, but then they encouraged them to talk to whomever they wanted to. And so that's what this person did. They started to talk to key people who were um, black professionals in that company to kind of expand their network and also find support as they are in that role and, and, um, and, you know, and moving forward in that role to be a success. Well, Stephen writes, I moved up to Sacramento from Los Angeles in January 2020 to complete my degree and almost immediately became locked up in my tiny studio with the pandemic. I managed to graduate and graduate with honors, but now that I'm working remotely for an accounting firm in the Bay Area, it's almost too much. The stress and isolation are becoming unsustainable. My coworkers are somewhat supportive, but we don't frequently check in or talk about anything outside of work. I get paid really well, but I don't know if I can keep this up for much longer. Something's going to give eventually. Um, Laura Schublek, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about Steve's experience and advice for employers to make uh, the remote work situations better in addition to what you've already shared. Yes, I think, well, with regard to Stephen, it could be the culture of that organization that he's working for. It could be that whether Stephen is in person or remote, it would be this, a similar culture. So I guess I would I would want hmm. Stephen to kind of check that because um, it could be just the just how that how that business, you know, their culture uniquely. Um, but, yeah, that really boils down to what uh, Juliana was saying earlier, that that yes. often a Gen Zers experience does 
you know, boil down to the quality of the company and a lot of these issues, if they're having them now, they've had them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but how employers can can make it better. Well, I spoke with, in preparation for this interview, I mean, I spoke to different people who, we actually have somebody in the Career Center who um, uh, was onboarded during the pandemic and did a fabulous job. And so I wanted to chat with her and some other class of 2021 grads about, you know, what should employers know? How can they make make it better. And, you know, I think it comes down to belonging. You know, you talked about DEI earlier that, you know, now that I'm here, how are you, how are employer employers onboarding their new employees? Onboarding, a robust onboarding program, whether it's in-person or remotely is really key. And um, maybe even a mentorship program. Uh, having a, a, a recent graduate who's taken an entry-level role be mentored by a mid-career or even senior career person that they can check in with, um, I think is key. That's how they can make it better. I, I heard Juliana say she misses the snacks. Of course, you know, food is, is a great equalizer. Everybody likes to come around the table and break bread. So whether it's sending DoorDash coupons to their employees or having fun lunches and trivia games or having virtual karaoke, um, and for leaders to kind of reach out and maybe some of the senior leaders to give their time to say, you know what, I know I'm the senior director or I'm the VP, but it's important to me, you're new here at Company X, whatever that name is. And it's important to me that, that, that how are you feeling and how has this experience been? So actually getting feedback from these entry-level uh, employees too. Do some surveys, find out what's going well, what's not going well, so they can uh, iterate and morph their process of how they not only onboard, but how they retain talent. Because it's one thing to have somebody come through the front door, it's another thing um, to keep them there, right? And that's what I think Stephen was talking about. Is, is what he's going through right now enough to keep him there? Or as an accountant, I'm sure he could find many other organizations to work for. He has a, a talent that's in high demand. So I think that's that's an, another key piece for employers that they need to recognize is that it's not um, you know just bringing them in. It's how, now that you're here at company X, how can we make you a success? Yeah, well, my thanks to Stephen for sharing the difficult thing that he's going through. Um, we're talking with Lori Shreve Burke, Senior Director for Career Engagement at the USC Career Center, and Juliana Kaplan, Labor and Inequality Reporter for Insider. And we're hearing from you, our listeners, about either starting a first job remotely or how to make that experience better for first-time workers. Stay with us for more after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about what it's like to start your career, start your work life during the pandemic, especially if you entered a job that is remote. And we're talking with Lori Shreve Blake, Senior Director for Career Engagement at the USC Career Center, Juliana Kaplan, Labor and Inequality Reporter for Insider, and you, our listeners, sharing your experience either as employees or employers of people who are first time workers. 866-733-6786 is the number to call if you want to share your thoughts. 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. And Ava writes on Instagram, I've had an almost mirror experience to Chelsea. I was hired at a nonprofit about a month before I graduated and juggled both remote courses and virtual trainings. I began my job virtually and now work a hybrid in-office and remote schedule. It has been challenging, but I am incredibly grateful. Another listener tweets at the other end of the age spectrum. I'm a super annuated high tech worker who's stopped looking now drawn back by the prospect of making money without me without waking early commuting and having to be with people all the working day, which were for me some of what were worst about jobs. Well, joining us now is Maddie Lazas, a cyber threat intelligence analyst who onboarded during the pandemic as well. Maddie, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. So talk a little bit about what it was like for you to go into remote work as your first major job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually graduated in May of 2021 from USC. So I was right in the height of the pandemic. I spent my last year and a half virtual for college. Um, and then I started my job in July. I had moved to the Bay Area and I didn't know anyone up here. So coming up to a job that was mostly remote when I first started was incredibly difficult. I would say um, my main friends currently are still through my work and people who I've been able to meet. But one of the issues I experienced is because it was virtual and there was no in date in sight, a lot of people didn't move to the city where their job was. So at first I was one of the only people my age who had moved for that job. And then additionally, my internship experience with this company had actually gone virtual and had been reduced to a uh, almost like an overview program. And I did find myself a bit overwhelmed because mm -hmm. it was the first time that I had dealt with kind of a bureaucratic workplace. And even things like, how do I word this email was a lot more intimidating than I expected it to be. How did you get help with that? Like, how do I write this email or even to form the connections to be able to feel like you had a community around you? Yeah, absolutely. I will say my company did a pretty great job with the onboarding program. Um, okay. However, I was kind of in a unique situation where I am on a very small team of my company. So once the general onboarding ended, I was kind of lost at sea. But however, I have an amazing team lead who I began to grow a very uh, strong relationship with. And she would kind of check in on me every day. And I also didn't realize how much I kind of needed that, just making sure someone was talking to me every day. Like someone was having a conversation, whether it be about work or not. It's, it's, it was very easy. I think if I just stayed at home and I didn't find this person or some of my other friends at work, I would just kind of feel like a cog and not really a personality necessarily. You said that you feel like, or have learned that American society's view on work is antiquated. What do you yes. mean by that? And what are some of the changes that you are hoping to see happen in sort of work culture, work expectations? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this also, it feels like a very interesting thing for me to say as someone who just started work, but um, I, I find myself uh, sometimes wondering why things happen the way they happen and whether it be that we have to work um, 60 hours a week in five days and there's there's no concept of, hey, I'm going to take a day off today because I'm having a hard day um, and I can shift this till tomorrow. I feel like there is not really, we talk about mental health a lot and a lot of companies talk about mental health and have programs for mental health, but I still think it's kind of um, looked down upon to say, hey, I need to take this day off from mental health. It, it's not as rationalized as an illness. So I think one, just the idea of saying, I can't be productive 100% of the time. I want to be productive 100% of the time, but it's not realistic. And maybe if I had one day, my work product for the rest of the days or the next few weeks would be better. And then I also do think that um, sometimes the innovation over financial should be valued a little bit more. So the idea of our workers are working less right now because it is the pandemic and things are in general, not great on many levels. Um, people are having a hard time, but the idea of, well, we're not going to let our financials change. The forecast is going to stay the same. And we're just going to try to fix that instead of growing to listen to your employees and maybe having to adjust your financials, even as negative as that might be. But I feel like that will only produce innovation and, you know, a more productive workforce later on. Before I let you go, Maddie, are there processes that you've gone through to basically readjust your own earlier expectations about work? Um, and how has that helped you face sort of the future of work for you? Yeah, I will say I'm having I'm having a really hard time trying to figure out my work life balance. And I mm -hmm. think when you come out of college and virtual, what you have basically been taught is you're doing work constantly because your classes are in the morning and you're on Zoom and then you get off and you do homework and then you probably have a project overnight. And then there was this sudden shift into continued virtual work. So it's not like we got to go to work and see this like barrier of, oh, you can get off the office and you can be done. So I'm still struggling with it. It's something that I am having a really hard time with this process of how do I tell myself when I can be done for work if it's just I could work forever technically if I wanted to I can just sit at my computer all day and all night so I think one of the processes that I'm actually working on with my team right now is kind of setting out action items for the day and really setting out these tangible steps that we can take so once you're done you can say I'm done I'm shutting off my computer like I am not answering emails tonight because I do think that's something that's been lost especially for people who transition from a virtual um, academic experience to a virtual career well, Maddie, thanks so much for talking with us. I really appreciate it. And best of luck to you. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it so. Maddie Lazas, who onboarded during the pandemic and works as a cyber threat intelligence analyst. Laurie Shreve Blake, I'm so struck by hearing both Maddie and Chelsea talk about how it's been really hard to be able to sort of separate work and life or to know how to put barriers or boundaries around it, right? When it begins and ends over the course of the day, so you're not feeling like you're working all the time. To be honest, I also feel like this is something I hear from people who've been working for a really long time or whose careers have recently shifted to remote, even though they've held them for a while. What is your advice around that, if you have any? Yes, yes, yeah. It was great to hear Maddie um, speak, one of our fellow USC Trojans, by <laughs> the um, Yeah, boundaries are really important. And that, Mina, is something that all workers um, during the pandemic, I think, have struggled with, is finding even the right place in your home to work, right? Mm -hmm. um, because I, I and, and talking to my colleague, 
you know, she mentioned that, yeah, at first, you know, when I started the job, I was, I was working in my bedroom and then, you know, where's the, where's the demarcation from relaxing to um, work and then continuing as, as Maddie said, with that work, she could work 24 seven, you know, the work doesn't stop. And so I think uh, identifying a place within your home that is your work area, I think is good and kind of separates from your relaxation area. Also, I would say, you know, in, a, in an interview, a weakness question that I always say is like, okay, what's a weakness? Sometimes I don't take a break. And I know that if I take a break, that I'm, I'm fresher and more creative when I come back after that break. And, and what is that? That's, that's creating that boundary of taking a break for lunch or taking a walk around the block. If you were, if you were at Twitter, let's say in the Bay Area, you would be able to go downstairs and grab that buffet lunch or go, you know, play volleyball for a few minutes or whatever, you know, you would have these breaks, you would take them in the workplace. And so what employees need to do is kind of identify when they can stretch their legs, get some fresh air, get some vitamin D from the sun, have lunch. I think that's really important too, to kind of set these parameters. And then I liked what Maddie said also about action items for today. So, you know, having having um, there's so many projects, right, that everybody's doing, you know, and so what are the main projects I should be working on for the week of February 14th or the day of February 14th or February 15th, Um, I think is is key as well. And I've heard, too, Mina, that people have a hard time winding down when they're not kind of setting a a start and an end date, because we know that when we came into the office, it was okay. we have to get up, brush your teeth get in the car, drive there. There were stops and starts. People took their lunch. So they still need to continue to do that as much as possible um, in their in their work environments. And I think what, what Maddie said is correct. At the end of the day, you have to too decide when, okay, I'm not answering any more emails after this time frame, and be true to thine self, thine own self as it relates to uh, working remotely. And we know, Mina, also, I mean, there was a Mercer study done that maybe – maybe the sweet spot is not in-person totally or fully hybrid or fully hybrid or fully remote, but it's hybrid work. Right. I, I'm, that's what I'm hearing is kind of the new employment contract that, that um, employees want. I don't think they want to go back to um, in-person five days a week, going into the office, the commute. I don't think employees want that in America anymore. I think they want the flexibility. And so maybe um, for employers, the sweet spot is going to be the kind of hybrid where they work a few days in the office and then they're they're working remotely as well. And and we're seeing that, you know, Mercer did a study, 70% of of companies are planning to adopt a hybrid model. And many companies have already switched to that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, let me go to caller Sean in Concord. Hi, Sean. Hi, Mina. Thanks for taking my call. This is a re- really great topic, and I love the guests, what they have been sharing so far. You know, I run a company called Pivotal Twist, and we do culture building and people development. Uh, so we go into companies and uh, help them to uh, build their culture. We do an onboarding training. We have one for leaders and one for employees and uh, navigating hybrid uh, training. And um, through them all, we always want to try to align personal values with the company values because that's where you get that great symmetry and the great uh, culture amongst everybody. But it's very interesting how with Gen Zers in particular, 
we notice sometimes a blank stare when we talk about their personal values. I'd love to hear what your guests have to say about uh, how Gen Z comes to the workplace and being able to advocate and advocate for and to be able to be open with their own personal values as it relates to company values. Hmm. Juliana, do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm trying to make sure I, I wrapped my head around the question. So how Gen Z can articulate their personal values in the workplace. Is that yeah, right? and, and how they yeah. do it, because in Sean's case, he's sometimes gotten some blank stares when asking about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, that's a really, <laughs> that's a really good question. You know, I think that it can be hard, I think, when you're starting remotely to kind of create, I guess I sort of think of it as that like, wink, wink affinity. Like in the office, you see somebody who's wearing a shirt of a band that you like, or has like a pin from an organization that you're interested in, um, and so on. And I think that that can be hard as well. You know, that is definitely something I felt like I've, I've lost with remote work. Honestly, even just like the gossiping of it all, like going out for lunch and being like, so what's going on? I think that that can be a really great way to bring the workplace together as well. So I think that perhaps a good way for Gen Z to be able to articulate those personal values or creating spaces where they can connect with perhaps people who they see as, as peers rather than managers. So that could be somebody who's, you know, in a similar cohort or who started in, I suppose, like as a similar situation mm. for them as well. I think that one thing that is difficult with remote work is sort of feeling like, well, there's a record of everything and that everything is being watched. And if you say something that could be misconstrued or you're not sure if other people feel the same way as you do, there's a record of that for forever. So I can understand that reluctance. I mean, I can, I am an elder Gen Z in the sense that I do remember a time before everyone had a computer, but it was still pretty young for me. And, you know, the first thing you learn is if it's online, it's forever. Right. And I think that that can be something that's, that's hard with remote work as well. If you wanted to, to joke around, for instance, or articulate, oh, I feel this way, but maybe that's something that people don't necessarily agree with. So I think that that's an open-ended question, but I think working to create those spaces where people feel like they are able to relate on a personal level, whether it's like, for instance, at our office, we have a Slack just about The Bachelor, which is really fun. I'm a huge Bachelor fan. Um, one of just about Taylor Swift. And we like to organize like FaceTimes or happy hours. That's just the people of a certain level on my team, for instance. Yeah. So, so maybe not making it so formal when there's the ask about values, but letting it sort of come naturally. You know, one of the things that also I'm struck by is that even though we've talked quite a bit about some of the challenges and there've been some suggestion, you know, by job experts that this could really be a setback in terms of people's career development because it's harder to build networks or form connections in a remote work environment, that Gen Z at least it appears consistently on surveys to say that they want the majority want to continue a remote work or a remote work option. And I wonder, um, Juliana, what you think about that result. It, it sounds like it's not so much worse to be remote work, but quite a bit different. And that a lot really does depend on the company or organization that they're with really understanding their needs. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that there's no like one true answer to because so much of this remote work has also been a stress test as well. And I think that that's something that's always important to keep in mind. You know, when I say, oh, I hated remote work before and I like it now, the reason that I hated remote work before is, as you can probably tell, I'm a big talker. I'm very extroverted. <laughs> I like to be around other people a lot. And when I remote worked before and I knew people were in the office, I really felt like, you know, FOMO, like fear of missing out. And now that I think the workplace, we've like hit this point where I don't think everyone is ever going to be back in again. That's something that I feel comfortable with now. So I guess to, to try and get at the, the question, you know, I think when it is something that you've grown accustomed to, I mean, it's been over two years, some gen years yeah. of jobs within remote work, right? Like this is your whole work experience. I can understand wanting to stick in there. And I think also people have just sort of realized that there's, it's never going to be the same again. You know, if it had been for genuinely two weeks, I think the story would have been different but it wasn't. And so I don't think there's ever going to be that same situation again. So I understand. Yeah. So Lori Shreve, like, do you think that this generation uh, has the capacity to really shake up or change some entrenched bad habits in workplace culture? And if so, I'm curious in what ways you think they might be able to do this? Because I've also heard that asserted as well. Yes, definitely. Well, I think Gen Z, um, they expect more of their employer. They expect that their employer is going to be ethical. They expect that their employer is going to embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion, that uh, their employer is not going to see them as a robot, but that they, that they are a, a living human being that, is, that, that matters and, and, uh, and that is an important part of that organization. And I, I believe the Gen Zers also want to see um, see employers that really care about their well being, and um, and we know one size Mina doesn't fit all. There may be some Gen Zers out there that want to be in New York City on the trading floor, trading you know on Wall Street. Okay, that's an in person kind of job. So one size doesn't fit all. Even though we are, you know, hopefully, you know, moving in, in a positive direction for the employee and, and having more flexibility in, in their work uh, lives, I still think we're going to have uh, Gen Zers, some of them who really want to go in five days a week because they, they, they still believe that in order to advance in their career, they're going to need to be in person uh, versus, versus um, others who are more willing to do hybrids. So yeah. Well, Lori Shreve, Blake, Juliana Kaplan, thanks to both of you for joining us today. And also my thanks to intern Jennifer Eng, who produced today's segment, is Gen Z and has not worked in person at KQED, but is doing a great job. I'm Mita Kim. You've been listening to Forum. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country... We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.